<laughs> Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and people outside the binary. This is Less Stupid with Thomas Huda, a show that's completely uncut, uncensored, and unurban right now as we sit here in Veneta, Oregon, talking to this wonderful person. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm just Joey. Or you could call me Joey. But just Joey's the artist's name, so remember that one, please. Absolutely. And Joey is a newcomer to this Lane County scene of hip-hop, and but is a long-standing artist, and we are so glad to have him here on the show. Thanks, man. Yeah. I want to jump straight out the gate because I see that people only watch podcasts for a few minutes, and then unless you're really deep into some conversation, which is not how conversations work organically, they Generally click off, not. which yeah. I understand. So what's a controversial opinion that you have about anything? Um, yeah, I was thinking, it. I even had preparation. He, Thomas gave me some preparation <laughs> to think, and Literally I still just that don't one question, really know. And it was about 45 seconds ago, but yes. Uh, well, I guess I'll start with, I don't think that everybody who doesn't agree on every really progressive point is an alt-right Nazi. There we go. I agree with that. Well, it's... <laughs> It's pretty amazing to see how we have fallen into the trap sometimes of binary thinking. Yeah. Of you are with me or you're against me. Mm. And I don't think there's a person alive today who built those that infrastructure of like, you know, I am a liberal and I am a Republican and I am whatever. Um, but we have all at some point been socialized into those ideas about who we are. Yeah. And so... I think people should look deeply at like, okay, this is my friend who voted for a person I don't agree with and supports a policy that I don't agree with. Mm -hmm. Is it because that person is incessantly evil? It's probably more because they were socialized a little differently than me. Right. They, it's It has a lot to do with family pressure as well. Um, and I, I, I really don't like the idea of just painting people out to be monsters because I feel like that's where a lot of the problems arise from. I mean, yeah, as progressive dehumanization. Yeah, it is. Um, and personally, like I did not have a very close relationship with my dad's side of the family, and mm. they are very conservative. Um, but I did make really big efforts right when I was getting out of high school because going through high school without my dad was not uh, was not working very well for me. And once I started making that relationship. It was like, this is right when everybody was saying, look, you got to cut people out of your lives who are conservative because they're not with the movement. And it's like, Man. dude, you don't realize what this is doing to me. Right. Like, I need my dad. Like, yes. So I think there's just a lot of hogwash in that, in that well, idea. Gosh. You know? It comes often from a, from a virtuous place where it's yeah. like hey man how can you be friends with this person who doesn't agree with the fundamental humanity of this marginalized group mm -hmm. or etc mm -hmm. but people should also realize and i talk about this quite a bit that when you push somebody out of your life they don't disappear they go somewhere else mm. you know and so we should we should try really hard to to convince and humanize and hopefully re-welcome people who have maybe been caught up in the intellectual dark web and they're you know susceptible to people <sighs> pushing ideas that are frustrating right. or that grind against the the status quo and and that, yeah that's i mean that's really poignant what you said because i mean let's take the worst case example all right, let's say you have someone who murdered somebody 
and they took a plea bargain or something to where they're going to get out in whatever, right. 16, 20 years. I mean, I could be getting the numbers all wrong here. Right. But that person is going to be back out and your kids are going to be in their neighborhood or whatever. So mm. if they do not re- rehabilitate and you, we really just like say these people are evil, let's push them aside. We're right. going to have to, they're still there, you know, we're mm-hmm. still going to have to speak to them every day and see them at the store. And if we don't try our best to, you know, work with the fact that they're struggling to be a part of society, it's not going to be good, you know? Dude, incarceration is the cancel culture of the right wing. <laughs> <laughs> Think about it. Yeah. Like, I don't think that we should... Okay, if somebody has a... uh, Talking about cancel culture, if somebody has a mega platform, Mm -hmm. there should be accountability for them to to say things that are not evil, let's say. Right. But it's it's so quickly that I see people getting framed as not the villains that that people want to frame them as. Yeah. And that's why... And that's literally happening in the criminal justice system. It is. Um, And it's scary. Um, And you mentioned before we started rolling how that's sort of impacted you directly. Yeah, it it definitely has. Family. And we can get to that too. Just, um, I I just wanted to point out too, like before we dive into the whole cancel, I will say too, like two of the people, two of the writers who changed my life, one I heard you reference in a song, which was You Can't Be Neutral on a Moving Train. That's Howard Zinn. Yep. So, I mean, I grew up like right out of high school reading about, you know, people being oppressed and that was like, that really affected me and I feel like that train of thought is kind of what sometimes pushes progressives into that state of mind where we can't even be friends with someone who disagrees because it's this idea that you can't be neutral on a moving train, which I feel is kind of true, but also we need to give people some leeway to grow and change their minds because I've never, ever changed somebody's mind by calling them a piece of shit. Like, that's just never worked. Yes. You know, but I have actually changed people's minds. Like, there was one time, one of my childhood friends, we were at a party, and it was on my birthday, and we started having, like, a friendly screaming match, basically, where, because, mostly because of the volume of the party, like, people were drinking around us, and we're sitting there having a discussion. This was before Donald Trump was elected, and we talked a few weeks later after that conversation, and he heard his family, he heard his dad like say a prayer for Donald Trump and it weirded him out. And he texted me after that hmm. and said, I reconsidered, like I'm not going to vote for Trump anymore. Wow. It's the only time this ever happened. I've only changed one person's mind one time, hmm. but it was a discussion. And it, hmm. it wasn't just like a, dude, you suck. Like, what are you thinking? You're stupid. I mean, people, you know, ignorance is like, you can't blame ignorance as much as you came as you can with maliciousness like right there's a big difference right it's not a thin Man, line i don't think i love what you just said and i think that we often get caught up online with people will, will parrot this idea that well i'm never going to change your mind and you're never mm-hmm. going to change my mind right. so let's not talk let's not <laughs> you know yeah so we're done unfriend exactly. block yep. mm-hmm I think you could have a conversation if you both make an intentional effort right. to be like hey we are very different Mm-hmm. Your family, your religion, your politics are different than mine. Mm-hmm. But let's maybe sit down and hear each other out really thoroughly. Yeah. But it's like another part of, I think, why that happens is that when you are on Facebook or Twitter, you're not just posting your opinion. You mm-hmm. are, but you're also performing for your friends. That's, you know? So if you concede oh, yeah. anything, mm-hmm. if somebody's like, hey, man, this thing you said about Bernie wasn't true and blah, 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 then, then you know, you might have your Bernie friends 
be like, why, we, why are you allowing this person to spout their opinion on your thing? And it's like, well, I actually am more than proud to allow people to have their opinions. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, it's an opportunity for that person to take in new information and assess it with their previous, you know, uh, whatever you call it, uh, not brainwashing, but like a lot of people live in an echo chamber. Right. And that's just, I mean, to an extent, everybody does because... Mm just the way algorithms work, what you focus on and what you give your attention to is what's going to pop up in your online feed, which is almost everything. Like a lot of people will wake up and that's the very first thing they do is check social media or their email or whatever. And I like made a conscious effort to stop that. Yeah, I don't feel like my day started. I could be awake, (laughs) awake for an hour, but just kind of chilling. And I don't feel like my day's really started until I've launched the social media machine. Right. (laughs) And see what's going on and what are people talking about? Like yesterday, I mean, I got up and, and then I saw there was like an explosion in Houston and it seemed like massive. And then that's like when I started feeling tied into everything. Cause before that I was just roofing five days a week and keeping to myself and kind of, you know, thinking about what songs I have to make. Like, I'm very, uh, I like being disconnected, but, um, but you have to, you know, you have to pay attention, I guess. You can't just like stay completely offline, especially if, because I'm trying to get somewhere. I want to be networking with people, which is a horrible term, I guess. Like really, (laughs) I want to be finding who I should be building relationships with. It's not a bad term. But you know, you know, like I feel it's it's an essential part of my day to feel productive if I've like communicated with people and have like made strides to get my music to do people like just when you came i don't know Mm -hmm. if you saw but i had my spotify open and i was like submitting to playlists like i'm always any spare time i have is like pushing things a little bit further nice it's always what i'm doing right on um you know i was reminded of a story at some point just now about andrew yang who was someone i really like Mm -hmm. um and that you know He's one of these outsider candidates that um, neither party seems to have any control over. And that's what I see. And that's also true with other candidates, like I would say Bernie to a large extent. Sure. But even he, you know, kind of, he, he paid $170,000 to be in this DNC Unity video. And hmm. some of his more, you know, progressive, like, uh, supporters were like, wait, why are you doing this? You know, huh, like, yeah. you don't I need would, them. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. And so he was, and so... But with Yang, um, classic example is, is of rain this. Okay with I think your... it's fine. The okay. rain's probably fine. Okay. It's classic example of uh, the media creating this sort of outrage machine based on things that people weren't even really that upset about in real life. Yeah. <laughs> like, so here's what happened. He was at a church, I believe, it was in South Carolina, and it was an African American church, and he was uh, invited by members of the church to put on a, a choir gown, mm-hmm. uh, a robe and sing uh, and dance. And everybody uh, seemed to appreciate that he did that. Uh, yeah. And he was the only person who wasn't a black woman in the church, uh, in the in the choir, kind of vibing along. And mm-hmm. and uh, this, this CNN writer, who happened to be white, uh, wrote this piece. And the, the headline, which, by the way, headlines are incredibly fucked up nowadays, yeah. where they wrote this piece. We might have to migrate inside soon, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> it's getting a little... Uh... Yeah, but... <laughs> He said, Andrew Yang sang with a black choir. Not everyone said amen. 
And it's like you go into the article and it's like very few people who are upset that, you know, the idea was that, okay, you're not a part of the church, so don't put on the robe and you're not a part of this community, so don't participate. But they leave out the invitation. They leave out the fact that he was asked. And how many thousands, maybe millions of people see that Mm -hmm. and make their judgment about it without without getting that story (laughs) and and getting that crucial context that it would have been rude for him to turn Mm -hmm. it down. Yep. And so that's where I'm like, okay, CNN, thank you for generating this feeling that I'm supposed to have that Andrew Yang is culturally appropriating these people when he's the only major candidate of color in the race still. And he was sure it's opportunistic to, to campaign and go and, you know, it's, it's an, it's a difficult line to walk with the appropriation Mm -hmm. issue. I recognize that, but people just stirring shit up yeah i mean you can't do anything right as a politician i don't think (laughs) there's really nothing i mean you're gonna get there's some part of your life that will get thrown into the coals and you 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 know anything that will serve as fuel to get people outraged or uh not even outraged i guess but just to like show you that all politicians are shit (laughs) <laughs> you know that's what will be in the headlines and i i saw i think right. it was a cnn article too just smearing bernie about um oh they really don't like him they hate him so much <laughs> he's the only candidate that would surprise me if he actually was a piece of shit probably the only one that i could say now wow. i like yang too mm. um i don't know as much about him as bernie but mm. everything i've seen i liked i like that he addresses um the fact that hey this is not an immigration issue this is a technology issue mm-hmm. um i like his addressing that because that's worried me before too sure. um you know like when i was well, who always gets scapegoated when there's large large change that affects people <laughs> negatively immigrants. in the country it's in, always immigrants in a country so, of immigrants straight up it's always the immigrants fault mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're all immigrants it makes no sense <laughs> except the for the indigenous people right but even if you go way back then they came from uh, all Asia of life originates or, in africa right yeah. right and then they were on the bering strait or whatever they cross over when it's frozen sure. there's yeah yeah so i mean uh um but here, while I forget where, what we're talking about, we can go back to the whole why my family is involved in sure. uh, the prison thing. Sure. Is like about six years ago, my uncle was falsely ac- accused of his crime uh, that his ex-wife accused him of. And, and uh, you know. I hate when that happens. Yeah, it was and really. I've seen that happen in my own ho- house too, but go on, sorry. No, no worries. Um, it was just kind of a really dark time. I got out of high school. I remember I was on a date with this girl who I had a crush in in high school. I think I was 19 at the time, so I was really excited. And uh, my mom called me while we were going to a coffee shop. And uh, she was telling me that my uncle had gone to prison, explaining that his ex-wife had accused him. And then the girl like immediately wanted to go home because it was such a weird story. And she was like, oh, this must be really intense for you. And I was like, no, you know, it's fine. It's nothing big. But wow. it actually was. It was probably good that she went home because mm. it was just really weird. And then I ended up um, going to Texas where my uncle lived. Her, my mom, um, my grandma, my grandpa, mm-hmm. and I all went to Texas. We emptied his house. We sold all his things or saved what we could. Some of his friends took stuff in storage. And I mean, long story short, he ended up having to take a plea bargain because we put a ton of money down collectively as a family, like $40,000 for a lawyer who basically said, yeah, we're going to lose. So take a plea bargain. So it was either we take two life sentences for my uncle and, you know, 
if we lose, if we chose to fight the case and lost, it would be two yeah. life sentences. We'd never see him again. Yeah. Or he could take the plea, which was like eight years mm. or four with a chance of parole. And he God. ended up getting the parole. Cause which he, eight years is a small portion of your life, but it's a huge day to day. Like, mm-hmm. I don't even want to make it sound like eight years is a small portion of your life. It it's, is, it's vastly different from two life exactly. sentences, but that's how yeah, they get yeah. you. And they, the system eats people up. It, does. it absolutely does. And, and every day there's a cost. I mean, if you want to have a phone call for five minutes, that's 20 bucks. Wow. Every day, five minutes. They change Wait, for that. people on the outside to for, call into Well, the, it's or the people the on the inside, inside gets charged, but the people on the outside are the ones sending them money on their account. Sure. Because they don't, you know, his income stops, his job stops. Like we had to sell his house, everything. He lost everything, you know? And this was a crime we didn't get. And while we were in Texas, I'll say, we went around um, because they had a lot of mutual friends, obviously. Mm. And every single person we talked to was like, oh, yeah, he would never do anything like that. I mean, not even... So everyone in the family like knew, yeah, this is ridiculous. And I mean, yeah, there's so many steps now. Like he took a lie detector test and mm-hmm. passed it mm-hmm. that said he didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was just... Which are not always accurate, but not always I mean, accurate. But then okay. it does substantiate this case you're saying of like, yeah, this person literally didn't do this, right? And I mean, there's a lot of other ev- uh, evidence. There's a, I don't want to get too into it to sure. put it all on blast. Yeah, but it was like this is very public, and this I intend to keep this up forever. Yeah, so. sure, sure. <laughs> and um, you know, there was yeah all sorts of stuff that just like when you when you look at it all together it's like dude there's no way he did this like you'd have to be so foolish like you she basically has all of the proving to do you know Mm, it's like there's no all of her witnesses and stuff like some of them didn't want to testify one of which was their own daughter like it's just such a mess and all of it is basically on the fact that it was an accusation that is now costing this entire side of the family so much money, you know, and now we're all living in this house. Like all of us are now, there's five people in this house. I'm staying on the couch. Right. My aunt has dementia and she was, she, she had right. a real fun night last night. She was mm. out there just up rummaging through the cabinets and stuff looking for food. It's just, uh, yeah, it costs us a lot, you know? Absolutely. And that's just one side of the justice system, but well, it really can I add on the issue of false accusations. Sure, sure. You know, one of the things that people hopefully can understand if they look into these issues more is that what I've seen is that sometimes lawyers that you get, prosecutors will it's in their interest to like lie on your behalf, you know? Mm-hmm. So even mm-hmm. if a person does falsely like does have an issue where they go to a lawyer and they're like, yay, I should be, I want to be protected from this person or I, you know, this person did this thing and I'm concerned about it. (sighs) Many times they'll go to these lawyers who specialize in these issues Mm -hmm. and they, you know, have like basically a checklist in their mind of like, okay, did he do this? Did he do this? Did he do this? Or anything akin to that. Mm -hmm. And then we can go ahead and lump that person in with all criminals who do this and all, you know, and Sometimes, you know, I don't know this person who made this accusation and I, but I do know is that the whole situation devastated you and your family and continues to, and that I deeply, deeply empathize with. Well, but I also want to say like, well, I'll just say like the, I'll say one of the biggest, um, the most frustrating parts about the whole thing is because we were talking about the media earlier and how things get spinned and how like prosecutors are kind of using this because they have political futures in mind and if they put people behind mm. bars then it helps their career they Kamala can Kamala Harris exactly like perfect example 
And so it kind of makes it to where I feel like on a day-to-day basis, I can't bring this up. I can't really talk about this to most people because most people don't even want to understand. They want right. to sweep it under the rug. So this whole thing that's impacting your life so much, and I'm not even the one who is involved, you know, I'm just sort of on the outskirts of this. Like, I can't even imagine. My uncle, you know, he can't talk about this anywhere he goes, but this has impacted his life so much. I mean, his entire life, he basically had to sweep under the rug and start anew. So, I mean, imagine if he didn't have family to help him out. It's just like, we we are one of the luckiest situations. You know, Mm. it's crazy. So I mean, his ex-wife was was his family, you know, in that sense also. So, Mm -hmm. you know, ah, that's really challenging. Yeah, it's, um, it's crazy. We could probably find a whole host of reasons to come back to this issue as we chat more, but sure. um, I would love to get to know like the musical side of you. I'm, mm. We've never met today. This is like yeah, real journalism, is... by the way. <laughs> this is my favorite thing about this is that like I might have a chat with like Crosby Neal, who you might have seen, and then I'd giggle with him for an hour and a half uh, because we have like that bond, but you and I have never met each other, yeah. and so I'm reporting in the field from this person's house and this i want to know I, oh just quick sure. too, shout out to G, uh, danny g because oh, nice. danny g is the one who linked us up um so yeah thanks danny that's amazing person check out double dragon d-u-b-l-d-r-o-d-r-a-g-o-n period i'm not gonna <laughs> lie like i spaced out as it. you started spelling so i think you got it right i'm just gonna say <laughs> you got it right yeah well macro forms on spotify <laughs> yes. is an amazing album which dropped on milled pavement records i believe okay right i don't on. know if that's true or not but i think so and uh yeah i listened through and i owe it another listen already but it's really good danny yes. g is a wizard on production and yes. uh yeah yeah chad's chad's a skeptic skeptic is one of the guys who got me one of my first shows in berkeley too at the gilman so shout out to both no of you way. guys yeah. awesome well i love giving them the feeling they'll probably hear this or watch this you know since we shouted them out yeah mostly because i'll send it to them yeah but, exactly and we'll let them know hey you're love, in this you're love, in this so i love when i listen to my friends who are independent artists and they have a podcast and they mention me like 45 minutes in and i'm like yep. yeah i caught that so yep. i like giving that experience to other people yeah but me let too. me also insult them to level it out Perfect. chad is is no i can't think of anything (laughs) (laughs) you had a golden opportunity right there and you you know there'll be plenty of chances to (laughs) shit on them um with as far as music did you have a musical background growing up because i feel like for me my dad always having guitars he was kind of a guitar tech Mm. and uh guitars all around the house like the formative years the developmental years of being a human being if you have music all around you, I think it's almost impossible to just grow up and be like, well, I'm not musical at all and I don't care about it, you know, which some people are like. Yeah. Some people are like, um, I actually had a little disagreement with uh, Lisa Vasquez. Do you know who that is? Yeah. I know of her. I don't know her personally. She's amazing as a musician and a person. She she, lives up in Oregon? Or is she I do believe she still lives in Portland. She might have, no, she just moved to California. Okay, okay. Which, good for her. She was blowing up a lot. It kind of happens. Yeah, congratulations, Lisa. Yeah, Um, sound set and all sorts of contests. So she uh, was on tour in 2017 with uh, Sammy Warmhands and I. um, And Sam and I were talking about like, man, we probably had we probably love music. You and I probably love music more than like ninety percent of people because well, I think that's what we said. Mm. And she was like, "You guys think you love music more than ninety percent of people?" 
I, I might be getting the figure wrong. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I think we do. I think we, you know, we're out here on the road. We're, we're paving this trail between Montana and Minnesota to yeah. play these tiny shows because it's in our hearts. Mm-hmm. We can't not do it. Mm-hmm. We're so passionate about it. Um, but she kind of felt like everybody likes music, you know, everybody, um, appreciates music and it was maybe a little uppity to think like, oh, we're these like hip independent artists. So we, we <laughs> love this stuff. We bleed this stuff. Um, huh. but, but I do think there are a lot of people who don't care about music and that's Yeah. Sad. There's certainly some sort of middle ground, I think, in between there. I mean, when you explained it, I wouldn't have thought it was an uppity thing to say, but I guess I understand because I see both sides of it for sure. Because there are times where you are on the road and you're driving through Wyoming or something and you're not sure if you're going to eat that night where you're like, dude, I got the dedication. Like, So <laughs> I think it's a little bit fair to say you might uh, give a little bit more to music than the average person. Mm. But to, I mean, anybody can appreciate it. I remember reading a book called uh, This Is Your Brain on Music, I think. Mm-hmm. And it was by a person who I can't remember his name. But it was a really good book. This guy was like a musician turned producer turned neuroscientist. And then he started studying the effects of music on people's brains. Oh my gosh. And I mean, the whole thing is like music is within people for good reasons. Like it's part of our cooperative nature. I think that, um, you know, it might be like one of the reasons that we all started forming communities or like at least one of the early events that we all gathered around to play drums around the fire or whatever. Sure. And, uh, And then it just has so many positive impacts on your brain if you play an instrument early you know um so i think that there is a pretty deep relationship between music and people and you know a lot of other animals have it too it's not just people even though i mean i just i read this article about like chimpanzees who will like dance to drums and stuff it's more like rhythmic with them i guess they're more like they like percussion but uh so maybe they like hip-hop or something nice i don't know absolutely (laughs) well Gosh, we have way more in common with the chimpanzees than a lot of people like to admit. Yeah, we really do. <laughs> we are just animals, dude. We are absolutely mammals. I think so, too. Um, but I, I read a book, uh, started to read a book. I don't often finish entire books unless they're really compelling. Yeah? <laughs> There's just a lot out there to You strike to me as a with. person who would like finish a book front to back. Well, I'm kind of an obsessive person, so that's totally true if I have a good reason to. But mm-hmm. what I found is that... Um, I will voraciously read things by people I know. So I've, okay. I I went to a college where I was lucky that, I mean, Bill Gates hooked me up with a shit pot of money and I went to this small liberal arts college with all these kind of like borderline elitist hipster kids who are what? trying not to be elitist, but they are elitist. Yeah. And, like that's essentially what happened. But what? The, the end result is I have a lot of great close relationships with professors who have written really cool books and um, with peers who are writing books. <laughs> and um, I mean, for me, I mean, I'm also a little bit of a socially awkward, shy, I need my own space kind of person at times. Mm-hmm. So it's like, podcasting is good i can be on my own but feel like i'm participating or hearing from a great conversation yeah i can be reading yeah. and feel like i'm hearing great you know because i'm very verbal mm-hmm. i'm hyperverbal. Mm-hmm. um but uh the whole point is there's this book called the creative brain that i didn't finish it was when i was uh, in medical treatment for mental health for a little bit um and it it was by a person who I call a double doctor because she had a she had a PhD in something and a different doctoral degree in something else, Jeez. like a freaking whiz person. I, yeah, okay. That's yeah. <laughs> like next levels. There was yeah. a point in my life where I never understood, like, how could you work and go to school? 
And you're probably working two jobs if you're, you know, I, I don't know. That whole just like ambition thing mm. really baffled me for a very long time. Mm. Um, yeah. It, it's, it, it, I don't know. I don't know. Well, she we, was basically making the, making the case that like people who have this proclivity towards being super creative, like their brains are just wired kind of differently. Um, I wouldn't say better or worse. I mean, in, and bas- there was a whole chapter on basically the links between mental illness and creativity, <laughs> like, yeah, which uh, everybody jokes about. Like yeah. it's, it's kind of like synonymous almost like everywhere you look, um, the, yeah. I mean, there, I, I don't know how true this is, but my mom will joke about this sometime where like, you know, all the best art was made by broken people is like for better or worse. What Come on. You know, it's like, because here's and here's where desperation is the the it builds creativity you it know? does it, it it builds creativity because you have and, and then what i was going to say too before i like tried to bullshit my way into making this conversation it's work it's a fucking podcast bullshit uh, away well so, so you have to have a certain level of like you don't you you're shameless basically you don't care what people are going to think if you if you put this out into the world because you don't really have that urge to put something out into the world unless everybody if if people are already talking about it you don't have that urge you don't need to create this thing when you are right. making and creating what you when you're excited to release something and put it out, out into the world and people are actually going to hear this i'm going to perform it in front of the people this is like really personal and is very likely that it's a it's an idea that people kind of generally understand but don't talk about. It's like just right. under the surface where right. people are kind of like scared to touch it. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a big part of art and I feel like that level of where we're willing to make ourselves vulnerable and take that layer away from us and willing to look stupid, foolish, or whatever you call it, <laughs> that's a big part of art and it doesn't take a rational person or a normal person to do that. I think it, like there's there's definitely, like you said, people have a different brain who are willing to do that Mm. for, you know, it might not be better or worse, but it's (laughs) different. And I've also, let me ask you this. Do you feel like creative people have a harder time fitting into society's mold than normal people? Very likely. Yes. And (laughs) I am afraid to make sweeping generalizations, but yeah, but absolutely, man. Um, I'm like, I have a friend who has uh, Asperger's and he was on my friend's podcast talking about what it's like for him to have Asperger's. Um, Mm -hmm. And what he actually brought up that I, um, that kind of blew me away was self DX, which means self diagnosis. And he actually advocated for it as Mm -hmm. a positive thing. Um, It's a little controversial in the, you know, psychological community because I mean, you can't just tell me that you have, you know, this and this and this and this, and then that's right. true. That's treated with the same validity as a proper diagnosis. Um, but there are so many barriers and differences in why people are able to access the kind of treatment that leads to a diagnosis, hmm. particularly young and uh, when they're young, early in life, it can be, it can be very possible for a person to, um, you know, not have their symptoms show up until their mid twenties or, um, maybe in my case, frankly, like I exhibited tons of, um, symptoms of what I think is probably something akin to Asperger's or autism, Mm -hmm. but here's, here's some real racial, racial stuff. Um, my mom is Japanese and there's a, still a a much more massive stigma around any kind of mental health issues Mm -hmm. in Japan. Mm -hmm. Um, and so none of that stuff got 
noticed and treated and taken care of because I had straight A's, you know, mm. because I, my obsessiveness was being channeled into, you know, Something kicking positive. ass in everything and yeah. the, doing all the things and all the extracurriculars and the newspaper and the cross country and the tennis and the, and the student government, two different chapters. Mm. And it's like, that wasn't healthy. Yeah. I actually wasn't healthy, but here's part of why mental illness is, is hard to, um, talk about or 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 promote better like mental health is but is harder to promote in society it reveals all the things our society does that cause bad mental health mm. i think like that here's my example with japan is like yeah japanese people are gonna have a really hard time um or that culture writ large is gonna have a hard time accepting that they're that mental health is a really serious thing that should be addressed and prioritized in our policy mm. because this work yourself to the death, be the most honorable and presentable person that your family will be proud of. Um, mm. All these different ideas are actually integral to the culture. So what do you do when you realize, shit, our whole culture is not built on everybody being happy, healthy, um, mm. humane towards each other, and live uh, an enjoyable life that allows for the world to thrive it's more built on you're on your own, yeah. at least in the United States, you're on your own. Um, your wealth and your income define how valuable and important you are in the world. Mm -hmm. um, and if you, you know, experience depression, anxiety, mania, um, are triggered by PTSD, that's your weakness. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, but you're weak. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I completely disagree. I do too. <laughs> I think um, like every culture seems to have their own version of what should a person be. What should the basic person in this society look like or act like? What should they do? And I think about this type of thing a lot where a lot of these things start out as... Um, well, uh, let's, I think about where things start a lot. Like, the first dude who made fire. Like, sometimes I'll just think about, dude, how did that guy feel? Like, was he terrified or was it... It probably wasn't even a guy. Could have been a woman. I was going to say. I was about to say. It wasn't a guy, for sure. Like, let's let's be real. Um, <laughs> but, so, so back to the whole, where do things start? Yes. Where did governments, you know, start? Where did this whole idea that people should be working from eight to five start where do all the, it's just some person who had this idea that, Oh, this is what a person looks like, but that's not going to work for everybody. I mean, um, one of my mom's really good friends, like a really close family friend. I've known her for a very long time. She worked her way up from being a teacher. Then she was, you know, in some, the administration, and then she was a principal of this school and she was part of getting this program into place where you, where the kids learn, how they learn best. I mean, you. Be, I don't know exactly the ins and outs of it. How dare they learn how they learn best? Yeah, but that. <laughs> and I've been so I've been taking a couple programming classes online, and there was a few that I just like soared through. But then there was one class in particular. It was so like I had already learned this stuff too. It was like a, a class that I. Anyway, it was a class I was basically retaking from another teacher. I had passed the first one with soaring colors, but this class made no sense to me whatsoever. Like the way they taught it, it just didn't click with my brain. They just want you here. Remember this, remember that. It's like, right. why, why is it practical? Right. I just, it didn't stick. Nothing resonated. And I think 
that is how I felt like when I was getting out of high school, I realized like, oh, there's no way that I can just go to college and then work a career that I don't really like. Cause there's not, I didn't know what I wanted to do at 18. I didn't know. I hardly know what I want to do now. You know, I'm still figuring right. that out. So there's so much pressure. I think when we're so young to just fit a mold of what people want you to be rather than figure out how you learn best and how you can contribute to society best. And that's like a big problem for me. There are two things I want to say about what you just said. One, I think there should be in an ideal world, I'm not saying tomorrow or in even five years, free mm. education until you're 25. Yeah. Come on. Mm. An 18 year old is not a, is not an adult in the same way that a 40 year old is. No way. Could hardly be more different. Um, and it wasn't until I think the 1900s, 1910s that we decided in this country, we were going to have universal free high school education. Mm. It's so easy for us to get caught up in the idea that, you know, it's always been like this. We've always had until high school, you know, but no, people had to fight for that. And I think people are fighting now yeah. for let's make public colleges tuition free, which I actually don't even know if I fully agree with because <laughs> of the all the challenges that go into it. Like if you're going to make public colleges tuition free, for example, that's one part of it. Mm -hmm. But there are so many factors that make the cost of college huge Yeah, that you have to cut in at all of those factors. Um, one of them is the ballooning, uh, administrative, um, uh, portion of, uh, any university's mm. budget is, and I don't hate these people. Well, many of them are great people, but you take this Dean, this vice, pr uh, president Dean of students for this particular issue yeah. job and you pay them, I don't know, whatever it is, 80, 70, 80, 90,000, depending on the school. And it's like, you know, that position didn't exist 20 years ago and, we got around, we got along generally just fine without it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's also hard because some of those, many of those positions, what I'm thinking of it at now is actually um, like they do work that is important, like uh, uh, catering to uh, or protecting like marginalized groups on mm -hmm. campus. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't always know what the answer to it is. But um, my point is that like mm. this idea that like, okay, when you're 18, you've got your, you know, you're on your own and you should be able to you know fend for yourself in the world that's hard i think it there's is. people from age 19 to 30 who are just like there is almost nothing that this society is doing for us um we have issues because it's not you're not really considered youth anymore mm -hmm. um it's an overlooked group of people i'm part of it so i'm biased <laughs> but it's an overlooked group of people and mm. especially with the rapidly changing technological um, state of the world. You know, the iPhone came out in 2007. That's mm -hmm. practically yesterday as far mm -hmm. as I'm concerned. And now we do almost everything on our phones and we go to places and we don't look at each other. Um, you know, we're built on this idea, you know, these 18 to 30 year olds, millennials, um, are expected by boomers broad, broadly, right? I like boomers to, you know, fight for yourself and make it um, yeah. when it's like, well, you guys had college for a hundred bucks a yeah. semester. <laughs> it's fill like up your tank for 10 cents or whatever, yeah. 30 cents. Yeah. You could pay rent and for your insurance and everything off one job. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a very different world. Um, mm -hmm. and I, I definitely get your point too about, uh, the rising cost of college it has to do with corruption sometimes. I mean, um, 
or not necessarily corruption, mm. but it's like greed. Oh yeah, higher ed is corrupt. Yeah. I'm, I'm unafraid to use that word. Well, speaking broadly, I've never been corrupt. to college. I've only taken some online classes, so I don't really okay. know the ins and outs. But uh-huh. uh, but I am familiar with corruption on like boards and stuff like that. I mean. Um, yeah. Just I, I like landscape for this guy at one point who lived in a really nice country club, and he was telling me like one of the people on the board drove the country club into debt, which like lowered the co- and then he ended up buying the country club or something. So like his failures lowered the price of this country club, which he then bought off of his failure and then mm. fixed up or something. Like there's just so many loopholes in in u.s law that it's like the more corrupt and greedy you are and the more you focus on those loopholes the more successful you become almost it's it's really like we encourage very bad behavior here Mm -hmm. i think Mm -hmm. um and i think that also goes back into like the the mold of a person like who should you be what are you looking for that same guy taught his daughters to cheat in school because that's how you get ahead in life right you know it's American values are very weird and twisted. Mm. Uh, well, there was, I cheated a little bit in high school. Oh, I, um, I did too. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, now I look back on that and I'm like, yeah, that was not morally great, but I'm not really ashamed of it. Yeah. Because it was also not morally great for the entire system to <laughs> be yeah. focused on whether I got an A minus or a B plus or whatever. Like, yeah. the youth, we should be focused more on whether the kids are learning and mm-hmm. developing and are going to be prepared for the world instead of right. like, gosh, but that's actually where the part of the frustrations I have with higher ed start is in high schools where yeah. you, you, you are a 13 or 14 year old and you come into your first year of high school and now and you're everybody's like, telling you this is good this is the rest of your life right here like yeah this is where all the pressure begins and part of the you know we could we could get everybody to have a better more relevant education for less money if we promoted trade schools and two-year and one-year technical programs right and invested in those as a country mm-hmm. um that's you know i even want to almost walk back the idea that higher ed's corrupt because some you know everybody that i love not everybody but so many of my friends who are professors and who will be professors mm. and possibly me, I would love to be a professor someday, um, mm. are in that system. Um, but like, okay, why do we not have money for these technical programs and why do we look down on them and why do we not promote them in just as much esteem as, you know, a four year liberal arts degree like I have, by the way, um, yeah, yeah. when, you know, we have $131 billion that, um, the Democrats and the Republicans just gave to Trump for more military uh, operations, mm-hmm. which is probably going to be overthrowing some dictator and or not yeah, even they a dictator. rolled that in right it's, when right when impeachment was the big news story that every media outlet was focused on around the clock. Mm. Um, I pay one of the few things I pay for um, that's a subscription service is XM Radio because mm-hmm. been temporarily living out of my vehicle um, and it's just an amazing array of like things I can have on demand. So it's just yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I check in on MSNBC, CNN, Fox news. So you get lives um, from all sides mm-hmm. of those. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, during that time when impeachment was like the number one thing and it still is cause we're on the Senate trial now. Mm. Um, bro, like they didn't talk about, they very they very rarely it's just funny that like that's the same time that they snuck in that like yeah we're gonna we're gonna give trump an incredibly huge amount of money that you know if we took half of that some Mm -hmm. figures say that it would cost 
about $65 billion and we could eliminate homelessness. So half of the... <laughs> it's just not something the government wants to do. Yeah, it's so, so weird. And I don't know. Uh, per like, year, $65 million a year. There are figures that show that you could essentially get rid of... Get rid of um, you know, you could you could house everybody who's unhoused. Which, on a grand scale, like on a government scale, that's like a, dr- a drop in the bucket. Yeah, like there. I mean, how many if trillions you look are at going what the to military, military budget? Is yeah, you know, Dwight Eisenhower was a, in the fifties was a Republican, and mm-hmm. he was a very well respected a military serviceman before he was the president. Yeah, and as he left office, he said. You know, we really got to figure out this military industrial complex and not right. let it take over. And then what the fuck happened? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, and here's another challenging thing. You're getting me worked <laughs> up. We're getting, this I is such it. a great conversation. Yeah, I love it. Um, gosh, again, with you jump so quickly to like, okay, that person's left based on this opinion. That person's right based on this opinion. Mm-hmm. You and I are like, like goofy bearded hipster looking people in Lane yeah. County, Oregon. Yeah. You know, who's going to watch this as a conservative? <laughs> I hope there are conservatives that watch this and listen, but I hope so too. But I get it. Like we're, you know, 45 minutes in. Like you're you're probably not here. Yeah. Um but if you are like I want people to recognize that like if you if a person goes into the military, um the person is not necessarily evil. Mm-hmm. I actually think that um a lot of well, actually, statistically, veterans are doing a little better than the general population, but because they get healthcare and stuff, right? Yeah, the VA has trouble problems, but yeah, yeah, they, they there are benefits that exist, and I don't know, you know, why that is that they're doing a little better generally. Well, I, I know, but I think that like people are like that's there's an imp- that's practically an oppressed group, yeah, because like a lot of military recruiters are not fully honest, and they prey after people who. You know, the the educational system has already basically said, well, you're going to be a failure. You're not going to get a scholarship to go to this school. Um, What are your, are your friends going to respect you? No. So go to the military. Mm -hmm. It's like earn your respect. Basically. I just, so when I was living in Wisconsin, my roommate and one of my good friends, like his name is Billy. He goes by uncle Terry. He raps as well. Um, And he's the reason I moved out there. We, he was paying me to mix and master his music. Uh, my living situation in California was coming to a close. And then he basically said, do you want to just come here and not pay rent and keep mixing and mastering my music? Yeah. Of course I said, sure. It was really hard though, because at the time I was dating this girl in San Jose, she ended up breaking up with me for it because I mean, naturally it was a good move by her. I'm not saying anything, but uh, because I didn't know when I was going to come back. Like it could have been three years. It could have been man, three you're selling days. Yourself short. Like, She's like, you're like, man, she was lucky to get rid of me. Basically. <laughs> I mean, who would willingly sign up for like, yeah, I don't know when he's coming back. It could be 10 years. It could be two. It could be a couple days. But uh, so it's definitely not blaming her for any of that. I do miss her, but um, right. it was well worth it. Like we, I went there and got a ton of music done. But anyway, the whole reason I brought it up was because he is a veteran. Um, he was in the Navy for six years. Right on. I stayed with him while he when, was in the when Navy. When I see veterans, I al- almost always say thank you for your service, by the way. Yeah. Because they are doing something that's practically unimaginable for me. That's another one. Like when I was saying like that, when that lady has two PhDs, I just don't understand it. Mostly because <laughs> I do not do well in a school setting for the most part. Like it's very hard for me to just follow directions blindly and like, which mm. ties into military. Like I can't do that either. I, I would leave class a lot by senior year. I, be- I had a lot of <laughs> clout in the school. So I'd be like, oh, I'm just so going to go work on this auditorium stuff. Or, you know, calculus was the biggest one. 
And honestly, oh, like man. <laughs> calculus, like I can barely pronounce calculus. And then when I think about any equations that go into it, it's just get me out of there, dude. It's all imaginary. This is all made up. Like just BS. I, that's funny because it's so funny. I I am so like I know resistant to being on one side of anything. It's, it's also important. a very podcast thing person to do. So it's like be the devil's advocate or be a contrarian or whatever. Um but like calculus is actually like God. Like if we cared about bullshit, it, dude. no, it's actually amazing. <laughs> it's fantastic. I know, I know. Calculus <laughs> is the study of um, like how fast things are and how and their rate of change and and that's like something we should you have to we we should know about more. Hmm. Um, like you know this is increasing at this rate and then you know the derivative has something to do with uh, okay it's increasing but is the rate at which it's increasing increasing or decreasing <laughs> like those are like complicated things and they're hard to understand but like imagine if we decided that you know we're going to really prioritize math education mm-hmm. which we probably should mm-hmm. because india and china are graduating right. more and more um of our stem uh, doctors and engineers um who you know bless their heart i'm glad they're here working on mm-hmm. um issues for us but um, we should also produce a lot more of our own um, doctors and yeah. um, engineers and mathematicians. I agree with that. Yeah. But I really think you could, we could have a society where kids like math more. Um, it's just not taught mm-hmm. in a way that's very um, conducive to that. Thank you. Because what I was going to say is one of the teachers who made me regret not doing better in math was saying this should be taught like an art. Math mm. should be taught like an art because you can get to the answer in a bunch of different ways, mm. not everybody can has to get there the same yes. way. And, uh, you know, I'm starting, so the two classes I'm taking right now are programming classes. And one of the ways you could get there is by flipping to the back of the book. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, taking a sneak peek at someone else's paper. But, uh, but with programming, like, this is one good example where I really wish I had paid attention back in algebra because all of that stuff that, you know, I skated by on, now I have to relearn as a 26-year-old instead of a 16-year-old. Right. Or whatever, you know, 14, I think, is when I took algebra. Or 13, even. I think I took it in seventh grade. So, and I basically... That's good. That's when I I skated by. mm -hmm. But that was, like, seventh grade, I was a really, really good student in elementary school and middle school, and then I just stopped caring right around middle school. Right. Like college reading level in sixth grade and everything, and then just C's to D's to F's. Like mm. as time went on, I just stopped caring more and more mm. because I realized, like, dude, I am not gonna fit into this system. But anyway, this goes to show you, just do it anyway because now right. you're, you're gonna have to learn at some point. You know? Yeah. Like in even now, like I do five days a week. I got a roofing job to invest in the album that I made in Wisconsin because I mm. really love it. Like I feel like it's next caliber for me. And is that World is Home? World is Home, I released a while ago. Mm-hmm. And 2019. 2019. That's not a while for me. My last shit came out in 2014. <laughs> I make so much music. I mean, for That's the longest badass. time, I just like put off everything. I was couch surfing, and all I did was write songs. Like The Fuck reason yeah. I was willing to go to Wisconsin was because this is just in me now. It's like... The way I vent basically is just writing a song or, you know, it's like it, it's no different than than taking a shower or eating a meal to me. It's like I basically need this to feel good in my day. Otherwise, I feel like something's off. I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm not going to be there. Like I need it. It's, I, I, there's a need. Otherwise, I feel like my mental health just plummets. Mm. Um, and that's not no joke or anything like that. Like I 
have struggled severely with anxiety and depression, especially since after high school. And I think a lot of it was because I had no idea what I was going to do right. or where I'm going to end up. Um, it's an existential issue. It, it really is. And it's like super stressful. It makes every single part of life more difficult when you have no certainty and it feels like the entire world is just brick by brick falling apart around you that's what mm. it felt like to me for a really long time and um so anyway now i got this roofing job and it's like i'm slowly starting to learn and there's so much geometry involved there's so much math in each part of it because it's not just roofing it's also general contracting so it's like a lot of times i'm catching up with people who are just like dude like how do you not know this? And mm. it's like, oh, yeah, I, I don't know. Just give me some time, man. <laughs> right. <laughs> Shamefully, well, I put my head down and just shuffle. And so it's, I, it's, you'll need to know at some point. And then music, of course, is like all math. Like, right. Oh, there's 100%. so much math and That's in what music. I was going to say because it's like, yes, we do have this misguided idea of like, oh, you're going to need to learn this for your job in the future, which mm -hmm. a lot of people realize is doesn't end up being true based mm -hmm. on what they go into. Mm -hmm. But I would love to replace that in an ideal world again mm -hmm. with you're going to need this because it's the fundamental language of the entire world you live in. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a really important piece of just existing. Like, yeah. And I can't tell you how many times I was just working some shitty job that I didn't or whatever, working at a coffee shop, running the register. And then I have to like bring out a calculator to do some basic math skills. It's like, dude, this is, so this is not good like right. you know so and this was right, right out of high school where it's like wow and then you're talking to this person who thinks you're a complete idiot who thinks you have nothing to and that's probably the conservative person who is shitting on you and you're <laughs> shitting on them who's like this idiot doesn't know basic math skills our country's going down the drain mm. we gotta make this country great again mm. fuck these losers like Meh. you know that's all probably part of it is just you know not uh, having the basic building blocks of life in each person. You know what you know? sucks is like sometimes people who uh, I disagree with strongly are right about things, and yeah, I want I do want America to be great again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I would never say that because it's associated with a movement that I have too many qualms with. Right. Um, and the flip side of that is we were never as great as we've liked to believe that we have exactly. been. Exactly. But I genuinely believe that like, okay, 2015 to 2020 has not been as good as let's say it's hard to pinpoint a spot but like 1997 okay. to 2000. Okay. That was a pretty good time. Yeah. It was a pretty good time. Biggest thing we were concerned about was, uh, was oral sex in the Oval Office. <laughs> yeah. Um, Which is, seems like and of course now, the like, carceral state and you know the oppression of a whole lot of people who didn't deserve to be but but yeah it um, it, 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 it resonated man <laughs> and 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 there's a really good chance that our president will be reelected yeah that's what's scary and it's like at every point that's why i'm so frustrated with the democrats because um i've been a democrat my whole life and i feel mm -hmm. like i've been proud to to you know ever since the 2000 election i was in fifth grade and that's when i first was active i wore a carry button to my school sorry I, well it's 2004 actually was i was in fifth grade 2000 i was aware of the election because my dad and my sister and i were talking about it and i said i was gonna vote for george gore or Al Bush, but I didn't know which one. <laughs> um, but in 2004, you know, so I've been, I wore a Carrie Edwards button to school. Um, and then 2008, I was in eighth grade when Obama got elected. I met him. Uh, it was, it was uh, very briefly, but I shook his hand and Eugene. So that was pretty cool. We visited in May. That um, is pretty awesome. But like, yeah, you get older and then you get informed by different perspectives. And 
I don't want to say they're just as evil as any other party, but or the Republicans. Um, but there are the same problems that operate in both parties. Yeah. Um, that are really, really not actually helpful to our democracy. Um, and if people think that I'm just being a hater, because I have lots of friends who are the Democratic establishment in Eugene, as mm -hmm. far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. People need to recognize there is a Democratic establishment in Eugene and in Oregon. Yeah, well, I mean, you could. there's so many examples. They're like, not from, exempt from critique. From Obama saying he was going to get the troops out, and then he puts more troops in, ups the drone strikes, like that was a Democrat. And then you have... The deporter-in-chief, Barack exactly. Obama. And then you have Bill Clinton who put in uh, the NAFTA agreement and that just screwed over indigenous farmers in Mexico and probably a bunch of other parts of the and world. And the USMCA is not going to be as much better as uh, uh, Trump would like us to believe, by the way. So, you know, it's like the problems, like you said, they run rampant and people had very, very valid reasons to not like Hillary and criticize her. And I completely understand. I, And I'll be honest, like I'm not even registered to vote because... At 18, I was scared of uh, the draft. I never wanted to go to the military, and I still don't because even then, I was very... Uh, uh, I can't think of the word. I didn't trust the government then, really. In, right. Or I'm still considering going to the military. <laughs> I just... Yeah, yeah. Well, but, I, I don't trust But they trust probably they won't take me for. by the time I get to my 30s or if Maybe they find not. out anything about what I believe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just... See, I, would I couldn't do it because I, I, I feel like I would... I'm there for the wrong reasons, if anything. I, I don't know. I understand the people who go for, like, healthcare, though, and stuff, and just, like, money. That's kind of what my, my buddy did, which is just he needed healthcare, he needed dental, he mm. needed money, and it was good uh, good pay and stuff. So, And then he signed up for the reserves, and now he works there, you know? It's like mm -hmm. you get a lot of benefits from military, so I understand that part of it. But I just couldn't, like, I'm a very... There's a reason I dove so hard into music, which is because I'm, I operate on a belief system, which is like the other side of the conservative thing, which is why I kind of understand mm. why it's not so good to criticize, you know, blindly at least. Because mm. I know there's a lot of, you know, I have flaws that I'm working on every day. And one of right. them is like that belief that like blind, like, oh, I could just take this jump and things are going to work out. And I've been lucky with that sometimes, but... um but now, like, I'm doing a roofing job five days a week, and I probably sh didn't have to do this if I just focus a little bit more when I was 18 or whatever, you know? Because mm. this is hard work. Like, my body's broken by the end of each week. And I've only, this is like my first full week was last week. Mm. And I'm just like, oh, man, dude. Like, I'm, you know, I could have. for you. Well, thanks, man. But um, you're doing that. I mean, it's, yeah. It's definitely, like, I'm at, I'm at a point now where I can't ignore the looming responsibility of mm. act, of real life. Like now that I'm here with my family and stuff and I yes. see like, you know, we don't know where money's going to be coming from all the time. So I'm kicking up some rent and it feels really good to be able to give back to my family because they've supported me for, you know, over the years. Like even when I was couch surfing, my mom would send me care packages of food and stuff like, you know, just super cool stuff. That's awesome. So it, it is. And like, I greatly appreciate that. I appreciate that each day. And so now I'm giving back and now I have like... Nice. But, and this goes back into the thing. I, at 18, man, I was ready to be homeless and just like do the whole thing. And I was at certain points and I was couch surfing all the time. Like I had no idea what I wanted to do. I knew that I couldn't fit into the system because I had to see things through first with my passions. Like I've said this for a very long time. I'd rather say, oh, well, than what if? Because the, I'm like haunted by decisions that I like 
gave up or, you know, didn't see through or I quit doing this and like that stuff gets to me, man. So I really like, I'm a person that now that I've seen, I've taken that leap of faith. I went to Wisconsin. Nice. It went really well, but here I am still at square one where like, Mm. well, I got to worry about money and I got to have a, you know, like I don't have a car still. I'm saving Mm. up for one. And so there's all these fundamentals that need to be taken care of that could have been taken Mm. care of before. But now that I'm 26 and I've seen through me as a person and how I operate. We're the same age. Right on. Yeah. Well, shit, man. It just seemed, felt like you had more maturity than me somehow. Wow, that's <laughs> surprising. I but I think say. it's because I know how immature I am in my deep soul, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, that's one thing I love to think about is we all know ourselves better than just about anybody else could know us. Yeah. And so yeah. I'm like, oh, God, I'm, I'm still a freaking 17-year-old. <laughs> I, I feel the same way, too. You um, said um, it's you'd rather say, oh, well, than what if. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's similar to there's a 1995 red hot chili peppers album called one hot minute and it is very underrated because their guitarist couldn't handle fame hmm. john frusciante so he left the group this could be a decent segue into music maybe hmm. more into the musical inspirations that we have and our goals with music but um hmm. that was an album that uh flea sang quoting the butthole surfers this is how i introduce shit everybody who uh, anybody who watches my podcast they probably hate me but i'm still doing it <laughs> i can't just say something i have to preface it four times the butthole surfers said it's better to regret something you did than something you didn't do i, I feel that. that to the core everything the butthole surfers say my mantra <laughs> <laughs> i've never listened to the butthole surfers but i know of the name have you heard their big single pepper i don't think so i don't mind the sun sometimes the images it shows no no I you don't it. know that song and i'm just an idiot singing in your no. front yard um <laughs> i sing all the time me too in the shower especially i'm surprised you you don't sing in the shower mm. that's <laughs> if I, I didn't hear you belting it in there so that's oh, right 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 like referring it, to the fact that I awkwardly asked if I could take a shower <laughs> at your place before this interview. Um, I, I can't help, but if I'm in a shower, I'm either listening to a podcast or singing. Like that's, yeah. this is, but that's also my, like my private place is the mm-hmm. bathroom. Cause I sleep on the couch. So mm-hmm. when I'm in there, it's like, I'm so zoned in and I love to sing and rap and stuff. So it's like, Oh my God, dude, you can't stop me. I've always <laughs> loved sleeping on couches more than sleeping on beds. I, you know, There's something about I put my arm over like the backrest or I can lean into it and, you know, a wall isn't soft. But yeah. I, And that's actually another thing where I'm like, do I have a little bit of autism? Because like in, in um, freshman year, first year of college, uh, I had a roommate mm-hmm. and uh, we had a nice room uh, in Cassett Hall at Carlton College. But I could not find myself sleeping with him in the room very well and so it rarely it didn't happen that often that i would sleep there i would go out into the lobby uh and there'd be no one there one or two people in the late evening and i'd be on my computer because i'm a late night person Mm. and i would just accidentally fall asleep every night like not intentionally not intending to sleep in the in the the lounge not lobby yeah but it would happen a lot um and i regret that because it's not really like a cool thing to do to the other people on the floor um, but I didn't have the context to understand why I was doing that, but it was something about the couch and the comfort and the privacy and domestic trauma was a big part of it. It's like, I mm. uh, could not fall asleep with my roommate in the room. Like just, oh, wow. it just, uh, it was weird. Yeah. That's gotta be tough, man. 
Oh, I'm a much different person now, I hope. But, um, well, the reason I mentioned the autism thing is because there's a lot of, like, furniture stores that are catered specifically to people with special needs. And often it's, like, mm-hmm. beanbag chairs where you can be really immersed uh, and soft and I don't know. So you just got, like, a whole cocoon a, around you, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's just what I liked about sleeping on couches. Um, uh, it's over like an hour too. into the interview, and I want to finally talk about your album. Because uh, I'm really good at helping people get exposure <laughs> for their music. Yeah. yeah. Um, World is Home is a project that you think came out a while ago, but it was 2019. So as far as I'm concerned, that is that is super Rotten Tomatoes fresh. That is fresh. And I love... It's hard to explain what I like about it. Um, there's a real cohesiveness to it because you produce the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like a collage of um, modern synthy sounds with um, your your vocal delivery is uh, seems inspired by like idea or maybe some other indie sort of rap artists. Your the poetic nature Ideas, of your lyrics definitely. Very, one of my favorites for sure yeah 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 tell me more about your album i'll just shut up um no i like where you're going with it i (laughs) it sounded good to me um well so yeah like i said i work on music all the time um i wasn't really planning on like using that group of songs as a group of songs it just kind of happened that way like i had maybe 20 to 30 and I, w- I kept like fiddling around. Like I, I've been sitting on those songs for so long. I must have wrote them when I was, you know, 19 or 20. I'm 26 now. And it just got released in 2019. And mostly, like I also mix and master my own stuff. So it took a long time to do that. And then it took a long time just to find that these songs go well together, which was really weird because, thank you. Because, I mean, they don't sound the same at all. Like one is a very gritty True. track. One is like electronic one is almost like an indie rock sort of song. One is like a, I don't even know. It's kind of all over the place. I didn't expect it to go well together, but mm. but that's kind of how I do things. Like I would much prefer to just keep writing songs and then let like the periods of my life speak for themselves rather than to like, here's a concept and I'm going to stick to this. Um, I've tried both and I just don't like putting myself in boxes. Right. Like if I have to, if making music becomes a chore to me, it's just, that's when it, I don't know. I don't want it to stop being fun, you know? Yeah. It's like, I could, I could do that. And I kind of like the challenge sometimes, but I, I don't know. I just write songs until, until something seems cohesive. Like you said, until it seems like, wow, this kind of goes together. I'm just writing. I keep writing songs about not having a home. And here are these six that, I like the most out of that group of out of that theme. So mm-hmm. here it is. Here's the EP. It's awesome, man. I one of the things that makes it hard for me to put out a project again is first of all, I feel like I just like went super gung ho on the features and the collabs and making that last album from 2014 ambition like a really, really legit feeling experience. Um and so like, oh, now I feel like I got to follow it up, but I got to get over that and just put out stuff that's going to be imperfect and it's going to be different. It's going to d- demonstrate growth or change. Um, that but- is so understandable too, because you had some killer features on there first, uh, talking about that, but then you- Shout them out. 
Shout the people out. Okay, so I I don't I'm I know Palmer Squares fucking killed it. That song was really good. I think it was track four. I'm really elevator bad with music. remembering names. That's the one I always elevator send people. Music. It's elevator music. <laughs> it's like elevator music. Yeah. It's like yeah. Aww. It's really smooth. I don't know your stuff well enough to sing hooks, but <laughs> but world is home. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. See, that's a perfect rendition. Um. But no, I I mean like when I was listening through to your album, it sounded like you were just going really technically hard. Like all of the flows and chops were very. It it sounds like they were carefully orchestrated. Like I don't know if you were freestyling the format. You know what I'm talking about? Do you do you freestyle where the words are going to land, or do you kind of have that orchestrated before? I I don't. I have a very like planned approach to, okay. to stuff I record. It sounds you know? meticulous. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, which is funny because here's my writing process. Sammy knows that I came up with some of those verses the night before, and some of the ones that I actually ended up feeling like those are the some of the hardest tracks in the album. Like Eon was one I wrote the night I put together the night before because I didn't have a banger on the album. I didn't have anything. I was like, I, I didn't bar out on this record. Is that the one with Task One? No, that's automatic flow. Okay, I which is an exception because that is a banger. Yeah, um, they're both they're both really hard. Thank you, I appreciate that. Um, and your stuff is 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 better than mine as far as I'm concerned. It's amazing, but I'll just try to take the compliment. We're two Northwest rappers. We can't we can't just keep doing this. <laughs> um, I know it's like a Western standoff right here. <laughs> What was I trying to say with that? As soon as we bust this out, you know, that's when you know the podcast has gone south. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is where no direction anymore. Yeah. But we could talk a little bit about... Well, you um, were talking about Task 1 and All I was saying in the, the writing process, all I want to say is, right, like, I got right, a freaking right, right. note on my notes app that it's called Rapidy Rap. And yeah. any bar that I come up, up with, because you know as a musician, you can't go through life without writing melodies and, like, song ideas in your head. And yeah, if you have day. a little bit of schizophrenia like me, then then that's literally what that is. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But, like, that's that's what makes music awesome is you turn those moments of insanity into moments of shared experience with people. Yeah. Um, and like should tell them what you what what your brain is doing and thinking. Um, so like yeah, like I, I'll just come up with like uh, if I get a beat that I think is the right tempo, I'll just go through my notes app and just like put together couplets and just make a whole verse out of that. I've done that in a matter of an hour before for mm. um, for stuff. Uh, it's just based on how when the moment strikes and having to meet a deadline, um, yeah. etc. But I want to talk about task one. Okay. Be- before we get there, yeah, sure. do you when you talk about deadlines, are these things you set for yourself or are you working on like time constraints because of classes or is it like you're working with labels or what? <laughs> like so even smaller no labels, labels you know? no labels, but like um with that last the the last album it was something I didn't I decided I couldn't produce and like engineer and mix and master this on my own. It was just not going to be the smart move for something I wanted to do as a commercial project. I had done two mixtapes okay. in 2013 that I did on my own yeah. where I was like, this sounds awesome and fun and cool. But then like five months later, I'm like, oh, this didn't sound good. You know? Yeah. This just wasn't it's a, at the it's quality It's a horrible feeling to too, right? <laughs> because you're so attached and you put so much time into it. Yeah. But, yeah. So anyway. Even then I kind of knew it was, but um. I don't know. Deadlines is, is an interesting word because um, it's actually a bad word. 
Deadline See, is a stupid lo- stupid word. And that's why I'm How wondering. Is that a good word? Is because... I just think of that from an educator's perspective. Like, oh, this time period elapsed and you didn't turn in your essay? Well, now it's dead. The creative work <laughs> that went into it is dead. The learning right. is dead. All meaningless. This, yeah. Like, really? No. Mm. No, that's not how it works. But I, And the reason I ask and make fun of it is because I did the same thing with almost all of my first at least first few projects. It was all like, okay, I have these songs and I'm really excited, so I'm going to get it out. And then I announce a date and then now I have to work from whatever. I give myself two weeks or something and now I'm like scrambling Mm -hmm. to get this thing done. And it's like, why? Right. And uh, so, and then just to tie this into your next release when it happens. Sure. What scared me with World is Home is like, for a very long time, all of my projects had a very... It was ramped up. I used to go by Lucid Optics, which is why I changed my name. Nice. It's just so silly, and I came up with it when I was 16, and it's, it's like... cool name. It's weird to introduce yourself at shows, though. It's like... it's. I just wanted to go <laughs> with something more personal. And one of my favorite artists, Chesky, uh, I just asked him one day, like, hey do you think it would be a bad idea to change my name? And then he shot me the idea, just Joey, and here I am. So, but anyway, the the whole ramping up thing scared me because... Mm. It went. It seemed like more success was coming from each album. Like I was getting more money, and not a whole lot ever, because I was mostly just putting it up on Bandcamp. I wasn't doing any streaming then. But it was like I would go from making three hundred bucks an album to the next one, maybe like five hundred or something. It's like, oh wow, word of mouth is going well. Mm. And then for just Joey, like I feel like that's my best music, even nice. those six songs, probably my best songs oh, I've released. You know, it's really cool. Thank you. And um, but but the reception was so much worse. Um, really. Mostly because it was wasn't it a rebranding received. issue, you think? It mm. just wasn't received. Like, I think rebranding probably had a little bit to do with it, but also, um, I think just the algorithms are getting tighter. And, like, even on the, because all of my links are the, all of the pages are the same, just the links are different. Mm. So, like, the Facebook, I just yeah. changed the name from Lucid Opt- Optics to just Joey. I didn't restart everything, you know? Right. I didn't restart. So, I have technically all the same reach you know i think there's a couple things that are happening one absolutely facebook is shady and suppresses artists to try to get you to pay into the system 100 percent. but also too is like um the rebranding could be a challenge also with people not knowing factor um and with the flood of content that's out there Mm -hmm. um by necessity people who are trying to sort through a lot of stuff like i think the algorithms prioritize whether someone was excited to like click on your thing right. and if they spent a lot of time looking at your thing mm-hmm. because you know it might not be fun to think about but like every time you're scrolling through any social media they're all tracking like how long you're yep. looking at each post you it's know true. H- whether or not you engage and s- or swipe onward or go back and look at like and, all those things are at play and there's which even if you're more. an anxious person is like oh god it's, yeah <laughs> it's horrible i've had pan- I've full panic attacks like, i don't want to like this post but i will tap on the comment thing and then i'll leave and keep scrolling so it's actually still an engagement thing like i've done that because wow. I'm, I'm a little bit too too I insane i didn't know that was but, engagement technically because i'll do that I'll, I'll just go through and like stuff yeah. because i'm like ah, yeah whatever like yeah just help them out even if i didn't like what they say really right but uh the the other two factors or reacting against, to something in a with a non-like is better than any like can do so like oh like uh, the sad face yeah, or the the wow react yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah I do that too especially on stuff I like but I guess I was trying to defend that like it's not because your music isn't good it's like um 
everybody has to make content now that catches attention really quickly. It does, yeah. And so it's for like sure. it literally biases against people who have like a more long drawn out idea. It a, does a slower burn. But, and I really want to say too because this is important for I think anybody uh, starting out. Like if you focus on your own platform first, you're gonna be in a much better position than anybody who relied on someone else. Like, so the buddy I moved in with, the way we met was I submitted music to his YouTube channel, and then we just became friends from that. Like, nice. kept in contact over the years, and then there I was living with him. But uh, his YouTube page was popping for a really long time for underground hip-hop. It was where I found, like, a lot of the music I listened to, from nice. MF Doom to, you know, like, Aesop Rock to Sage Francis, like... It was all around. He even had like old school fucking stuff I didn't listen to. I forget. But it's like um, the pack. It's like what started SoundCloud rap or trap or whatever. Um, so he had all kinds of music on his page. And we at one point could post any song up there and it would get thousands of listens. You know, like the engagement was crazy. Like nice. way more likes, like maybe a few dislikes because everybody liked Underground. It was very similar style. Um, and we, when he started taking submissions, like a lot of us became friends, kept in contact, played shows. And then his channel died right around when he went to the Navy mm. and nobody would upload music anymore. And then over the course of a few years, like he still has 30,000 subscribers, but if you upload a video, it might get a few hundred. So, right. and that was my entire audience at the time was his page. I didn't really uh, set up a Facebook. I didn't have a website. Mm, I didn't have anything. So when his page died, that was it for me. Right. Like I basically was starting from square one again. Mm -hmm. Some of those people will still come back and see that I'm making music. Right. So it's like, it does, it's not, it wasn't all meaningless. Mm -hmm. And like all, when I play shows, when I was booking DIY tours, like I would run into some of those people in Idaho or mm. like Colorado or something, people who knew me from that channel. So it, wasn't all meaningless, but sure. if I would have started on my own and focusing on my own way to reach people before, I think it would have been way better. So if you're starting now, I think that's just like, it doesn't mean that's don't, cool. you know, try and reach out for help because all the help you can get is great, but also hone your own, you know, yes. way to reach people, which is people say mailing lists or even yes. have a a phone extension or something like mm -hmm. whatever you want to do, however you want to reach your fans, think about that and start doing it. Don't give Zuckerberg more control over yeah. your art than you have. Yeah, yeah. Even <laughs> when I pay now, I reach less people. Like yes. even the payment algorithms have changed. It seems like, yes, because I used to be able to reach hundreds of people that way. Now it's like yeah. maybe a hundred. I think if I put out a full length like, album, few hundreds of people are going to get a dm like a legitimate one-on-one yeah. -on -one, not even like i tagged you in a post or it, I yes myself. i'm just going to dm them and That's it's like way. i hope they understand that like i'm not trying to be annoying and try to make it a little custom for each person you know exactly um but that is the way in terms of like mm -hmm. i mean that's messenger is almost like a text message now and so it's like the very yeah. most kind of direct thing you can do it is. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, I think, I mean, when I threw, I threw a lot of shows in San Jose and was playing my hand at booking for a while. Nice. Um, and the, like anytime I had a show, even if I was on the bill, if I wasn't throwing it, all of my friends who has ever come to a show was getting a call from me. 
Like, and that was yeah. what I, that was part of, like, I scheduled that into my day. Here's three hours or whatever. Like, a lot of times I'll spread it out so it's not a chore. Because I don't want to call my friends and be like, hey, dude, what's up? How you doing? Like, yeah. you know, I want to call and be like, hey, That's man, what Congress like, has to do to for call. for hours every day. Congress people oh is God, calling, calling donors. Oh, and that's asking it. for money, not that's even asking the for them to experience your art. Oh, that's <laughs> so hard. Yeah. I couldn't do it. I mean, I hats off to people who have to do that because I... I don't have the personality. Like, it's really hard for me to fake the funk. Hmm. I can't. I'm glad because you're one of the most, like, easy to get along with, <laughs> like, personable chipper people I've ever met. So, Thanks, right man. on. Thanks yeah. for not faking it. Yeah. 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 I mean, dude, it's so hard to live life if you're faking. I give during my podcast. Gosh, dang it. Yeah, it makes me feel good, too. It, really, yeah. it makes me even more chipper. I'm really. trying to uplift the world. You know what's beautiful about you, listener? Well, you know what is. I'm not going to give a fake compliment. Yeah, that's true. You yeah, know but deep just, down like, what take, makes you special. Take, like five seconds while i light this up and Hell just reflect yeah. on what and you like about, about yourself that. think about your strengths and how can you apply them to what you want to do think about what you want to do like first of all what are you doing with your free time when you don't have a single responsibility when you don't have anybody to answer to what do you want to do like are you and if it's just as simple as watching tv start reviewing some shows or something or just enjoy it i don't know i'm just trying to be inspirational here i would love to because Music reviewing as like an online video based um, endeavor is in its infancy still. <clears throat> so like, point. yeah, I mean, there's a guy who started doing it, Anthony Fantano, and oh, he yeah. just was, you know, this guy from Connecticut with a bachelor's degree who um, had some pretty well informed ideas about music i think but a lot of a lot of hipsters don't like him a lot of my hip hip, hip friends think you know because it's just easy to hate on a guy or for that um I think so too yeah um but you know he's like the the lone person who's a really really well-known person doing it and then there's a lot of other youtubers who have a fraction of his reach and are doing cool content like sean c big quint um something D tv productions i don't know <laughs> there are a lot of there are a lot of people out there that i kind of enjoy but i'm like yeah i would love to get in that lane part of why you're, you're talking about building your own platforms i started this podcast at episode 151 <laughs> because i've created a lot of video and audio content in the past since i was a kid it goes back to like 2006 and now i'm just wow. renaming that stuff episode one oh, two three okay. four five so if anybody gets really into this which i expect to be one or two people at most <laughs> they can which, come through and see that this is a, this is building off of and formalizing a long history of creative work um mm -hmm. and it's also just like it i think it it's going to help me to be like, okay, I'm, I'm on 159. I'm on 160. Instead of being like, I'm on number nine. Yeah. I'm on number 10. That's, oh man, the, the effects of like psychologically hacking yourself <laughs> is so powerful. Like that's such a good tool in life. And it's so weird that we can do that. Yes. We can just kind of trick our brains into being more productive and enjoying the environment more. Like what? Yeah. What is, it's so strange. Like the more you learn about yourself, the better your life can be. Mm -hmm. Um, you know what I like to ask my hip hop friends who are on the show? What's up? Who are some of the gods to you? Hmm. I'm not saying who is the top five mm -hmm. or who mm -hmm. is the number one, especially cause hip hop's so regional too. I think we kind of forget that sometimes. Yeah. Um, it definitely is. Even, all right, so yeah, that's a. There's a lot to unpack there for me. 
I think. Or at least who inspired you a lot. Like, who did you... That's where my mind yeah. was going. Um, and we talked about Idea already. And Idea was one of the one of the people who really got me in into hip-hop. Amazing person. Um, I never met him, but I've, I know people I didn't who either. do. Yeah. And I just hear amazing, amazing things about him. Um, but, I mean... He's one of those people where I feel like you just know him from his songs, which I think is always an unfair thing to say about artists anyway, mm. but I still feel that way. I can't help it about mm. some people, and he's one of them. He's just, it goes back to if you're as vulnerable as you can be, and you just let people, like you really clean that window into who you are in your music or whatever mm. format your art is in, medium or whatever it is, Sure. then that is you're going to do more for at least, it might be a few people, it might be less people than like a pop artist, mm-hmm. but you're going to do more for your, for the people who listen to you than any sort of pop song where it's like very surface level. Like How what do we all like? How Katy Perry? What do we all like here? Like, what can we all get behind? I don't, I'm not even dissing like, it's no, not. I'm uh, with you. I like Katy Perry a lot, but I, I love a lot of mainstream pop. Yeah, I me really too. do. And there's a place for it. And I think it goes back to like why you can't really, it's hard to hate people because at the end of the day, we're all people and there are things that are going to connect us all. And yeah. it matters like how we feel about each other, I think. So there's, I think pop is really important. Well, I actually kind of think this connects a little bit to our very early conversation. The first question, the controversial opinion about like yeah. people that you disagree with are all blank. Yeah. Um, part of what endears me to mainstream pop artists is, you know, growing up in Eugene, a very countercultural place mm-hmm. and being around a lot of people who are hip and that's cool. Yeah. Like anybody who I'm told not to like, <laughs> I'm probably going to be a little more endeared to them yeah. and I'm yeah. going to want to know them, their humanity. So like, you know, Same. knowing what Taylor Swift is like as a person or trying to. And I think even if you're not open to that, you're only getting that person more publicity too, because then some people then you're you're interested because you're scared because this is how I was when I was younger. Uh, yeah. I was interested in what I was told not to like because part of me like maybe feared, oh, how do you become a person who people don't like? Like, right. what path did you take? Like, how, what can I learn about you? You know, um, so right. You know, it's it it only brings attention to mm-hmm. what you are trying to get people to stay away from if you're just out there ridiculing it. I don't know. That's very true nowadays. I mean, there's always been the case that all news is good news for people yeah. who are trying to be a public figure. Yeah. All right. So let me say something really terrible and provocative just for attention. Okay. Um, these socks look gay. <laughs> no, <laughs> they really don't. Why did I do that? Damn it. See, I run an unedited show too. Uh, I really can't take that out. Well, but I'll apologize immediately as a person who identifies as queer. These are actually very blue, and I was totally searching around <laughs> to just try to be the parody of it, a podcast. And it host. matches my jacket like perfectly, both yeah. tones of blue. Yeah. I think satire is just going to continue to win, dude. <laughs> satire is winning. Yeah. Um, sometimes I, um, I'll like go in and out of like being... I am sincere, but like sometimes people can't tell when I'm being sarcastic. Yeah, no, uh, totally. I totally because get it. the very best way to get someone to to just look at something is to um, parody it and yeah. to and yeah. to uh, even if it's like especially really subtle satire, I think is like really going to continue to to win because you get the people that are that think it's legit. 
because Col- Stephen That's... Colbert, for example, he satirized Bill O'Reilly, etc. Yeah, but like he did it in a way it was only the left who thought like you know that they really liked it because it was such a funny parody of what he was doing he didn't do it in a subtle way to try to like get people who um you know are conservative to believe in his like ultra uh patriotism idea yeah um, but i guess i don't know i i it gives it gives room i, I try to be tongue-in-cheek like i'm i'm sincerely interviewing you but yeah. i'm also right now being an asshole podcast interviewer who can't <laughs> shut up but but really it, i'm just trying to no sorry it also gives room for people who who like ne- that's their whole persona it, like mm. there's this whole thing going around where this this girl i think she's in college is going around and interviewing people on on campus about like uh transgender bathrooms and all, inclusive bathrooms and stuff and like at first it seems like she was being an asshole but then some people are bringing up the point where like hey maybe she's just trolling and nobody can really tell. And now there's like debate running around it. I have no idea. I haven't really watched the videos. Mm. But it's just kind of interesting that, you know, that that can be, I don't know, a little troubling almost mm. because it just adds to the fact that nobody knows what's going on. Nobody knows what's real. Like right. nobody knows where to get information because all the news outlets are bullshit. So where do right. I get, where's, you know. Right. Well, know. Uh, you're allowed to talk about that. I'm all about more dialogue in more places. I identify as non-binary. Nice. And I'm going to come out as trans right now in that it totally like all these words and phrases and identities, um, they mean different things to different people based on their lived experience and what they know. And so like um, a lot of people would say if I'm non-binary, which I've been open, openly non-binary for a, for a while now, um, for a few years, I would say in different spaces that is under the trans umbrella, right? Okay. Trans uh, non-binary is a part of being trans in the eyes of some people, but for some people it's not because trans is specifically about going from the gender you were assigned at birth to the opposite of the two. And you know, it's like sometimes people can get really in the weeds about what they, about like, are you a trans person or not? Um, and the more time we spend on that kind of really thinly, um, splitting people into more and more different groups hmm i don't know that it's the best thing we could be doing with our time when there's a lot of people who still don't Mm. recognize any trans people as human beings at all right just think we're all confused yeah um or sinners i I don't know i like to say first of all i'm honored that uh (laughs) (laughs) that was part of this historic moment which it shouldn't be I know. And uh, and in 20 years I might label myself a different li- way as than non-binary or part of the trans community. Yeah. Um but right now it's been really liberating. Well, that's awesome. Swag. Fuck yeah. That that <laughs> would be I, I don't know. But we were I'm trying to trace it back to what we were talking about. It's like Yeah, now we're getting stoned. I like keep losing <laughs> I'm like this is this is where I really start bullshitting like yeah, we to tie we, things together. We've been doing that a little bit. Um, we were good about it though i think mm-hmm. you know oh here's an idea I, 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 to jump off of you know if you're just talking about how you're upset about these people and it's actually amplifying them mm-hmm. um you know great example would be kanye west when he um <laughs> being a pretty much a promotional genius yeah um expressed what i think are authentic views about like he actually liked trump more than clinton etc um but the timing of it was totally just to promote uh, you know, his next his, album, yeah, Yay. Yeah. And um a lot of people thought like with him wearing wearing a Making America Great Again hat, 
which I wish he hadn't done, frankly. But um, if you wish that everybody wouldn't wear a Make America Great Again hat, then the one liberal musician that people love who does it is going to get exactly the attention that he did get. Um, and so then, like, people thought that, yay, the EP wouldn't do well because so many of his fans were going to walk away. No, he just it got a ton of conservative than, yeah. fans out of it. Yeah. And pretty much most people still listened, and it still w- went number one. Um, I never liked Kanye really that much. I can't deny he's a good, he's good at what he does. That's interesting because musically I've never liked that. I never liked idea until kind of recently. Um, that but just I love, felt like a personal But I love right him as there. a person. Like, you know, that's I funny that you mentioned that. I've been in his must, house. Kanye must be your favorite artist or well, something. Well, you came at me with the Kanye. <laughs> I Kanye is my number one, probably biggest hip hop musical inspiration. Really? I love Kanye West's music. <laughs> okay well yes uh, you know but you don't have to and i think that he's done a lot of d- singles especially where he he dumbs down his style and he he he's said a lot of really stupid things on record yeah on music and in the public um but yeah when you say you never liked kanye man it's like he just doesn't resonate with me that much like i don't that's okay i don't listen to a ton of his songs but and there are some like i said he's really good at what he does it's not even that i don't enjoy listening to kanye but it's not gonna be what i have on repeat for for and i think it's really just what i look for in music that's the difference like i don't generally look to music for good time stuff mostly because mostly because i'm not the person who's on dj when i'm having a good time like it's someone else so it's like okay i'll listen to your good time music okay but when i'm alone and i'm listening to music it's more like introspective and stuff so it's just not that's just not what i go for you know yeah um the crazy thing i want to talk about rap and genre and what's happy and what's not okay there are a lot of people who don't consume rap at all right and they generally look at rap more monolithically which is absurd mm-hmm. rap is so diverse so many subgenres so many jo- subgenres and moods mm-hmm. and um like 80s rap late 80s rap uh apache um houdini that stuff is really fucking happy rap. Yeah. Everybody's kind of upbeat. Yeah. It's like, I'm like, it's how are the race? How did the racists hate black people this much? They made <laughs> such positive music. <laughs> Even the message, which is the first hip hop music that was like, we're really talking about the struggle in the hood. Mm-hmm. It was very happy sounding. That's my, that's my opinion. Because it's because it was inspired by disco and funk and. Uh, Is it weird an of that the more gangster the music got, the more white people got behind it? <laughs> very interesting point. If you want to talk large scale about the commercialization of music, there is totally a, a, a benefit to institutions of being like, yeah, all black people do what MC Ren and Eazy E do. You know, <laughs> let's only promote that form of music. That's, interesting stuff it's super weird well i like the term reality rap a lot more than gangsta rap okay um that's something that people have used since its inception but um more recently nowadays it's like um gangster rap versus reality rap it's you know you know they're talking they're speaking directly about things that are they're not allowed to speak about yeah on on the media in the media and that's not necessarily um all good stuff Mm -hmm. i don't want to hear them talking about you know 
this really misogynistic content or, you know, glorifying every kind of drug that ultimately doesn't help people. Mm-hmm. But, or at least in the way that they do it. But, but it's an outlet. Yeah. At least. Yeah. Like everybody needs to And like, let's talk about, you know, in the 80s, the crack being, uh, funneled into those communities intentionally by Ronald Reagan's administration. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's like, what an amazing hustle to, to intentionally, um, f- fuck up the framework of the community, fuck up the families with this terrible drug that was brought in mm-hmm. and then talk about, which is these people yeah. just don't value their families and mm-hmm. they don't, where's the fatherhood? It's like, right. Fuck you, Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> Bill O'Reilly used to rail about that a lot. I'm not surprised. Yeah. My dad loves Bill O'Reilly. Interesting. I don't know if he still does, but yeah, my dad is all about that stuff. That's why I said we didn't, there was a period of time where I wasn't living there. We weren't speaking really. And then, but we reconnected after and he's gotten slowly a little bit more realistic, but he may still listen to Bill O'Reilly. I don't know. Mm. But I love ripping on Bill because there's so much, like the most obvious is, uh, fuck it. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. That's the classic. Fucking like everybody, sucks. if you don't know about that, like where <laughs> where have you been? Because that's, I mean, but what does just, that mean to play us out? <laughs> How do you not know? You work in broadcast. You don't know what it means to play us out. Everybody knows what that means. So yeah, I mean, he's he's an idiot. But maybe he, he's maybe certainly not. something. Maybe he's a genius, and he just knows what riles people up and what people like. The, with the ha- with how big our hear. country is, and know. frankly, I'm not sure that it's going to stay as one country for the whole our whole lifetimes. That's an interesting thought. Um, but for how big it is, I almost feel like once you get that large mm-hmm. to where you're a talking head in front of that many people, you have so little control over like having your own opinion and your own feeling wolf blitzer anderson cooper uh megan kelly freaking all these people on cnn and fox news Mm -hmm. uh what's his name tucker carlson these people like they they are much more than they are like human beings with their own authentic take on the world which Mm -hmm. is what they're set up to be Mm -hmm. and much more they're much less of that and they're a lot more like this is exactly what the idea of an angry uh, or objective journalist is, mm. and let's put that in front of everybody. And it's very much corporately controlled. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. They're going for ratings, right? They're yeah. going for what, what's going to keep people on the show. Yeah. So. So that's why I'm trying to improve my craft. I try to make every episode less stupid than the previous one. Because <laughs> I'm on a constant journey of trying to be less stupid. I like it. So Me I'm too. not the best podcast host, but there can be weird pauses. There can be a lot of over talking when you're trying to fill the space and you don't really know what the <laughs> fuck to talk about. But this is, it's art, it's a film, it's an experience. And it's me knowing when finally to shut the fuck up. So can I ask you the last question? It's been fun. Yeah. What's one way we could all be less stupid? Uh, try. <laughs> Just wake up and be ready to try. That's really beautiful. Thanks. <laughs> We're going to end pretty abruptly on that because I actually thought that was really poetic. Mm. Thanks, y'all. It's been fun. Peace. Yes. Thank you. Oh, where can people find you, though? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, 
shit, I have a bunch of different Facebook.com slash just Joey's music. Actually, no, no, no. We had talked about own our, owning our platform. So go to inkescape.com. I N K I S C A P E dot com. Mm-hmm. And then that's a collective I'm a part of. And we've got a bunch of stuff up there. I got a little artist page up there. You can find all my social media stuff. Awesome. Um, I am a cornball, but I'm really s- sincere. And there's a, there's a we live in a world where it can be really hard to find the the motivation and the drive, the self worth to try. Yeah. Try to be less stupid. Mm-hmm. Just have that energy behind what we're doing instead of feeling like I'm just doing this because I have to yeah. or I'm doing going through the motions of having to make enough money just to live. So we had that cool ending that was a false ending, but I want to do the real ending now that people know where to find you. You should check out World is Home on Spotify or wherever. Just Joey, all one word, J-U-S-T-G-O-E-Y. But your real name is... Say it. Joey. Last name? Yaquinto. Yaquinto, okay. That's what I thought. We just met today. It's been a real pleasure. It has. Take it easy. You too.